Hey, good morning all. Welcome to the Common Good Podcast. So glad to have you all aboard. May 16th today, which is those of you that keep track of your calendar, so you know that that makes it a Tuesday, and that means we get to talk about politics here on the Common Good Podcast. This is Doug Padgett out of Minneapolis. Rob Ryersey snuggled away somewhere outside of Fayetteville, Arkansas. Hey, Rob, some people uh, tuned in on Friday. Uh, we had did uh, Vote Common Good, did a little action with a bunch of other organizations uh, over in Miami to raise a voice about the Reawaken America tour being a Christian nationalist attack fest on the goodness of America and the goodness of Christianity. And uh, things went very well there. So glad for everybody and good to see some of you back. I'd mentioned there that uh, I wasn't feeling well on Friday. Part of the reason I didn't go to, to Miami. Still not feeling well. So, you know, just a little, just a little old man update <laughs> on, uh, on, on how I'm doing. Uh, I keep taking COVID tests, uh, you know, like uh, maybe, maybe that's what it is. Cause boy, it feels like it should be COVID. But apparently according to my home kits, it is not, it is not. Uh, but I will say checking in, you know, after as old men might want to do after checking in, you know, on our health and, and, you know, how's your hip, uh, Actually, my hip's doing really well. Uh, weather's going to be just glorious in Minneapolis today. So uh, I'm going to fight through this this persistent fluish thing I have and and uh, try to get out in the 80-degree and sunny weather uh, mm. today. How about wow. you? How, how are you feeling? And how's the, um, yeah. uh, how's, the, how's the weather up there? Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling okay. Feeling good. Uh, you know, I, I was telling you I'm, I've, I've been been hitting the gym a little bit and uh trying to eat a little bit better a little uh, a little less mcdonald's and hmm. uh you know that kind of thing and down uh, seven pounds over the last three weeks or so and feeling good weather is uh it's rainy it's one of the we're in that season where it just okay. rains every day and it's just um i'm a little tired of it and ready for some sun but uh poor whimsy uh her, uh, my eight-year-old daughter, um, her soccer team, and she is, she's on a real good soccer team this, this year. And she, uh, loves playing defense uh -huh. yeah, and she, uh, she loves to just hang back and wait for somebody to come forward with the ball. And then she just boots it to the other side of the field. Uh, she gained the nickname Superfoot as a, as a result of that, cause she oh. just, she just launches the ball to the other end of the field and reverses it every time. So, but I feel bad for her. really good soccer uh, team, right? Uh, and games just keep getting rained out, oh, and uh, kid, I, it feels like kid. half the season has been uh, has been rained out. So that's she's she's like, do I have a game on Thursday? And I said, yeah, I think so, because now we're into makeup games. All the games that have been rained out, and I said, yeah, I think so. She says, is it going to rain on Thursday? Because that's the season, yes, probably. Rained. Yeah, but I will tell you this. You mentioned May 16th. It's a big day. Um, six years ago today, do you, do you know what I did, Doug? And, and I know this because part of my morning ritual is I play Wordle and then I check my Facebook memories. Oh, six and, years ago uh, today, you taught the band to play? Six years ago today, I launched a long shot bid for Congress. Hey, hey, yeah. <laughs> time to run. All right. Run for your life. Yeah. Sixth, sixth anniversary of a, a live stream where I was on with uh, um, 
with some folks announcing their bids for Congress, including Congresswoman Cori Bush and Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and me and a couple other folks uh, saying, hey, we're going to run for Congress. And uh, they're there and and I'm not. Well, and you get, and you get to here. do this important thing. Yeah. 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 You, you're a, you're a queen maker. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're just, uh, they're queens. I like it. If the, if those two are going to be the Queens, I'm, uh, I will, I will be a queen maker all day long. Pretty great. Hey, did you, uh, did you George Costanza that nickname on Whim- whimsy though? Like, were you on the, were you walking around the, the sidelines from different places yelling oh super foot, hey, super foot. No, I, I know it's actually, you? it was, the dad of another girl on the team nicknamed her that. Okay. Yeah, it was, yeah. Which is, I mean, it's fantastic, right? Yes. It's just great. Yes. Totally. Totally. I love it. Love it. Hey, uh, you know, they, they say, you know, April showers, May flowers, all that stuff. Around here, it tends to be May rain brings lots of grass, which doesn't really rhyme. But we, in our little neighborhood and parts of Minneapolis and all, are really into this thing called No Mo May. Oh. Do you have a No Mo May? No, we don't mow your I, lawn for the month I mean, of May we, because you you help the bees. Yeah, we actually um, we had that a little bit earlier. Um, and it was mostly April for us. <laughs> no mow April. Yeah, no mow April rolls off the tongue. Um, my next door neighbor uh, sent a Facebook message to Vanessa and said, "Hey, do you need to borrow my mower?" Great. <laughs> <laughs> because this is like, uh, no, you need to woke up, sister. Yeah. You need to be caring about the, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, she says, no, Doug, we're good. Yeah, our neighbor's name is Doug. Uh, oh. No, Doug, we're good. And uh, yeah, we're just, we're just letting the bees have, uh, have some, some goodness. And, yeah. and it, yeah, we're, we're all about that. But we are to the point now where we're mowing. But with all this rain, see, it's, it's, it's it rains and then it's hot and then it rains and then it's hot. And by the time I have the chance to mow, it's going to be eight feet tall and it's going to be miserable. But yeah, well, we're, we're just starting to see it way up here in North in Minneapolis. We're just starting to see it. So, um, Hey, good to see all of you in the chat already this morning. Jim is here. Good morning. Hey, Jim, whatever happened to the dollar ninety nine super chat? By the way, I don't know I, what that is, but I love I it. I have when no that idea what it I, means. I feel yeah. like we should sell like the ability for people to have a super chat. Uh, he's, he's over there on YouTube. If you're not yet on YouTube, that's the best place to watch and get comments. But Aaron, uh, nice to see you from extremely hot and smoky Alberta, Canada. Um, and, uh, Kay, nice to see you. Yabitz. Good morning, Mike. Uh, the rest and as other people come in or just listening and watching, no, we're saying hello to YouTube. All right, Rob, lots of things happening in politics. It's literally hard, hard to know, uh, hard to know where, where to start. I think one of the places we should start is, um, with uh, this, let's just get this debt nonsense out of the way. That's raising the debt ceiling. Um, I have not wanted to take that very seriously because there's, in my mind, just no way that even the most unreasonable people, as I feel uh, McCarthy can beat sometimes, are going to default on the on the debts, like not pay our debts. I it just seems impossible. I feel like Biden's going to pull off something to prevent that from happening, even if they try it, you know, the trillion dollar coin trick or something, you know, where they just declare a certain amount of money from the treasury that exists in the economy. And that, that solves it. 
the opposite of Michael Scott declaring bankruptcy on the on the office. <laughs> That's right. I declare solvency. Yeah, if you just if you don't know what this is, the ability that the Treasury has to just create currency is its greatest power in the way our economy actually works. And so there's there's actually some people say the ability for the Treasury to do such a thing. What what do you think? But now you know, my wife said, I wouldn't be so so sure. You shouldn't say that. It, these people could. You know, McCarthy could have himself in a situation where he just can't do it with only Republicans and he'll do it because he he has these other people to be contending with. What what, what do you think? Any chance? Are we default? I'll, 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 <laughs> hey, I'll talk while you chew. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you're not watching on the live stream, Rob just chose to take a bite of something, which a lot of people when they're on on speaking podcasts, uh, you know, eat uh, before and after, but not here, not at the Common Good Podcast. Yeah. Okay, yeah. We will eat, um, we will drink, we will do this. Uh, oh, right, it, right, yeah, right I mean, at least thing. it's not the, uh, it's, it's not the Donald Trump presidential announcement where I, uh, I, I drank too much yeah, whiskey. that's true. Um, <laughs> that's this true. is almonds and dried cherries. And I had muted myself while I was chewing and then, uh, and then, you know, needed to uh, unmute to answer your question. Um, so I, I mean, I continue to believe that all of this is just political theater. Okay. I think that McCarthy is going to do everything he possibly can to score some political points against Joe Biden and prevent Joe Biden from scoring political points. This reminds me a lot of the, the game of chicken that gets played with shutting down the government. Mm-hmm. Um, and pass it because, you know, so often Congress doesn't do its job and, uh, and pass a budget and they don't pass appropriations bills to distribute that money. Um, typically what they do is because they don't do that, they have to pass what's called continuing resolutions, which is basically a a temporary Mm -hmm. um, allocation of money, which keeps, you know, money flowing to different programs. And they often will play this game of political chicken because they don't do their jobs and pass a budget. They uh, they have to do this with continuing resolutions. And and it's basically a matter of like who's going to call the other person's bluff. Mm-hmm. And that's how government shutdowns end up happening. And then uh, it's a matter of, you know, who's going to get blamed. And so often Republicans have thought and, and it often happens when Republicans hold the Congress and the House of Representatives, which handles all this financial stuff, and um, and Democrats hold the, the the presidency. I think back to Newt Gingrich and, and Bill Clinton went through this. I think it happened with Barack Obama as well. Uh, I think that and what what typically happens is this this backfires and blows yeah. up in the face of of the GOP and totally. makes them look like idiots. They they think okay, we're going to pin this one on the president and yeah. in fact it gets pinned on them. Totally. I totally think that's what's going to happen here. I think we're going to default. I don't think they're going to raise the debt ceiling. I think we're going to default. I think it will be a big you know, it will be a big news story and doom and gloom and everything terrible is going to happen. Most of which I don't think will actually happen. And because oh. come on, I mean, it's all come on. 
of course, I was the same person who was like, we're, like, yeah, we're not right. going to have a global pandemic. What are you even talking about? Um, so I think we're going to, def- I think we're, I think they, I think they dig in. I think they think this is their chance to, to, because all the talk about Joe, you know, sleepy Joe and all of it, Joe Biden's been a really effective president. Yeah. And he has a record to run on for reelection, which a lot of presidents don't. This guy does. And I think this is their chance headed into an election season to pin something on Joe Biden and it's going to fail miserably. It's going to be a week or two of, you know, the sky is falling news stories and then they'll finally, you know, you know, have come up with some deal that allows everybody to save face and uh, and Joe Biden comes out the winner, regardless of, you know, what gets screamed about on, you know, mm-hmm. on on conservative social media and, and, and radio and Fox News. You know, we have never n- not paid our debt. That's never that has never happened. So the fact that. There are people suggesting that the United States economy could reach a point where it has debts that are un, unsatisfied. No one knows what will happen from that. Right, it it could be less draconian than some people worry. It could be way worse. In two thousand eleven, when they got close to something like this, the United States credit rating was downgraded, and it cost the United States millions of dollars. Investors, uh, uh, the governments, uh, all of our governments. It was horrible. Getting close. If the United States defaults, that opens up all kinds of opportunity for other currencies to try to become the primary currency, at least in brief conversations, which then tends to weaken the United States economy and dollar. It, they cannot allow it to happen. I, I, I'm sure Biden uh, and administration and executive orders has some capacity to prevent it. And uh, I'm sure... Yeah. They, they'll do I, it. I, I, th- I think they're going to. No, I, I totally I disagree. Really... I, I think they're gonna, they're gonna default, and, you know, and I, I, it's. But they're def- Yeah, here, here's why I think they're not. They, they, they let out the staffs did apparently last night. The things they're negotiating on right now, the things that are on the table that they're negotiating, and they're very pen, they're very penny ante kinds of things. They're not. They're not big deal. The the big cuts are sort of gone. It's like a COVID relief money that hasn't been spent will be removed from the budget. So it's not sitting there as a slush fund that people can dip into. It'll put uh, work requirements of some variety onto social programs. It's limits the it very like, okay, these are just procedural. It's not what it was two months ago where it's like remove the funding for you know the environment cut the butt that stuff's even off the table so now they're down to a set of things that i personally i don't think there's any chance republicans are going to be like oh we will go to the wall for this list and then we will get three quarters of this list <laughs> in the end they're just there i don't think there's i don't think there's there's a chance they're gonna i think mccarthy will mccarthy will mccarthy will re- rethink this thing altogether. so we will see because apparently it's like like two weeks like two weeks, we have, we have enough money for 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 two more weeks. And I think he <laughs> makes a great a great comment uh, here much much earlier in this. She said, "Look, this whole idea of there even being a debt ceiling really does need to go, and that yeah. that is true. That they just need yep. to build in a mechanism by which the Congress yes. just 
auto allocates an increase, you know? Yeah. Again, we won't get into it now, uh, but you can watch previous uh, live streams about how the federal government works and what this is. And this is not debt like uh, a state would have if a state ran up a debt because a state, the state of Minnesota or Arkansas or California or Florida places, our states can't produce the currency. The United States government does. So when it has debts, they're not debts like, like the others. Mm-hmm. It's a fundamental misunderstanding. So uh, I think that's going to, I think that's going to go away, but you know what seemingly is not going to go away. It's just how bad Donald Trump is at being president and wanting to be president. <laughs> hey, by the way, we should, we should mention, we shouldn't just let this slide by like, uh, you know, uh, like Dan's not here. Dan's not here for a couple of weeks. So you're not getting all the fancy graphics and all the rest of that here. You just get a couple of boring faces chatting at your face. So that's uh, what we got. Yep. But, you know, I could. We're going could to switch, old school here. I, I could switch some angles, though. Oh, just, look to at really, that. just to really liven you up. Uh, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe we'll leave it something like this. Um, this last this last week, again. Not a good week. A, a terrible reminder to people like us what an absolute cataclysmic experience it would be for people that care about the government of the United States of America if Donald Trump were again to be um, sworn in as the... Um, what what president would he be? Would he still be 45? No, he'd be 47. <laughs> be He's already 47. wearing... He already He's has... really leaned into that 45, though. I mean, he is really... Yeah, but be, he, yeah. he already has merch that has 47 on it. He wears That's shirts. He wears polos with 47 on them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, his he's, town he's, hall. What president would he be? He'd be Grover Cleveland is what the president yeah. he would be. Okay. That's right. Yeah. yeah so he'd be so, I mean, there's, yeah, there's a number of things happened with Trump. He, uh, frankly, there were some really serious losses and some rather significant wins for Donald Trump. Like it's oh. it, like, it was a, a bit of a mixed bag for him in over the last, week or so so i mean first of all he was found liable in civil court a uh, a lawsuit brought by a uh, a woman that he sexually assaulted and then defamed mm-hmm. and uh, um a court of law found him um a jury of his peers found him uh, liable for those things for defamation and for sexual assault and uh and he was ordered to pay five million dollars uh, as a penalty, um, which you know uh, this is this is really good, um, f- but it also feels a bit like a moral victory. Um, you know, it gets a victory, but it's not the kind of victory that I think a lot of us long for in terms of like a not a civil judgment, but a criminal judgment against Donald Trump. But mm-hmm. I mean, this is like really, really bad for him on a on a personal note. Totally, totally. Every every time he loses in court, and his tack needs to be the jury was the problem, the court was. Every time they stand against the rule of law, when you're trying to run to be the chief law enforcement officer of the United States of America, it's a horrible day. Mm-hmm. Like you cannot underestimate the fact that every argument they're making. And my Trump supporting friends all make the same one is, oh, juries in New York and like all this kind of stuff. And every time they come out and make the the criminals of January 6th, the Patriots and make the jurors, the villains, they're 
setting up to not be people who can speak well of the United States of America. Like at some point, you don't believe in elections, you don't believe in juries, you don't believe in law enforcement, and you don't believe in the system. That's sort of an occasional flirtation with love of America. You don't really love America. You've got an occasional crush, you yeah. know, on particular uh, late nights when you've drunk too much and you think, what a beautiful country this is. That's your relationship with America. And that's a really bad uh, uh, stance for someone who wants to, again, be the president of the United States. So I think you're right. I think the Eugene Carroll uh, is just, again, one more. So now there's an indictment. Then there's a court, then there's a loss in court. Multiple indictments are still coming. Georgia is clearly coming. And uh, probably something from Jack Smith from the Justice Department are, are also coming. So here you're going to have a guy that's, that's now um, you know, having to say the justice system in the United States just simply doesn't work. And mm -hmm. that is, that is just Yeah. Funny. Doug, do you, what, are you, what are your thoughts about the E. Jean Carroll um, decision? Do you have... Who was the the journalist that Donald Trump assaulted and and then defamed? Yeah, you, you know it's really something, right? Where because of the movement that is often referred to as the Me Too movement that allow that caused states to reevaluate their laws about how far back you can prosecute someone and what your options are available to you for civil civil charges. So th this is a continuation of some really good advancements in, in the, in the United States, United States law. It's also super heartbreaking that, and I've heard many interviews with Eugene Carroll and her talking with other people that were assaulted by Donald Trump, how much in 20 and 30 years ago, history, women like this just had to tolerate this kind of thing, Yeah, had to put yep. up with it. She was physically assaulted in a you know, a dressing room of a, of a public store by someone who was a public figure. And with all the, the power she had as a human being, as a strong personality and a strong countenance and her position in society as someone with her own reputation, couldn't do anything about it. That then it took decades before she could stand up. And she went, she underwent five years of complete harassment and, or seven years of complete harassment and horribleness when she tried to raise these issues recently. So yeah, there, there's a sense in which that, and, and then what basically Trump was found guilty of rooted from defamation. I mean, think about that for a minute. Had he just like anybody else would have just stayed quiet about it and not continued to insult her and continue to say it never happened and do all these things and sort of tear, tear her down. The thing that, that the jury was it, that they were able to actually have a, a court case about, rooted from Trump's continuous action of defaming her. The, yeah. the, the assault and so on was something the jury did not find Trump, Trump guilty of, even though it wasn't a criminal trial. So that well, was confusing. Yeah, he was, yeah, yeah, not the rape charge. He was, he was found liable for sexual assault, not for sexual assault not, and, for, and, but, and for defamation. But the sexual yeah. assault only came because it was rooted, it was connected to the defamation lawsuit. Hmm. So that's also like, okay, it's very good. But that's a real problem, right? That that's yep. that that's yep. the, the the route someone someone has to take. So there are not there are not protections that we need to have for the many people who've been assaulted assaulted by others, and uh, so it brings up a very very difficult situation. And then to see him in that town hall, be so flippant and horrible and continue it again, 
um, continue to insult and the people laughing at his responses to it, the, the voters in New Hampshire. And that was just, that town hall was an absolute yeah. off the rails um, disaster. And uh, at least Did uh, you again to us, because I've talked to friends of mine who really loved it and thought, boy, he's really in rare form and, and we cannot yeah. wait to have him back. Yeah. Did you watch the town hall on CNN? Yeah, yeah I didn't, I didn't watch it live. I had to watch it in pieces later. Yeah, I yeah. couldn't bring myself. Uh, I yeah, I yeah, I um, I I I thought later like, oh, th- maybe we should have maybe live streamed this and uh, you know, yeah, gotten drunk again. Um, but uh, yeah, I, the, uh, oh my goodness, there was much about that town hall that was that is, um, just really fascinating and disconcerting. Um, let's start with this before we, we talk about Trump and, and its impact for him. What are your thoughts about the criticism towards CNN? Was CNN irresponsible for hosting this town hall? Is it part of the just kind of normal responsibility for a mainstream news station to hold a forum for a, you know, the, the, by far the leader in the Republican primary, the, Caitlin Collins, the the host, has a, a history of uh, when she worked for Fox News, kind of spouting right wing um, talking points in the midst of her uh, uh, reporting. Um, the instructions to the crowd that they could applaud, but they couldn't boo. Um, you know, I, <laughs> is that true? I didn't know there were. Yeah, there were, yeah, there were instruct. Yeah, there was instructions to the crowd that they could applaud, but they couldn't that's boo. Secretly leaked, or they said that like. That uh, was... I I don't know if it was secretly okay. leaked, but it's that's kind of common knowledge now that there was that that made ahead of time, and and that creating the impression <laughs> Jeff that Bush running that thing. You yeah, can, that's you can right. Applaud now you can. You yeah. can please cheer. Um, but that created the impression that like the whole crowd was with him because all you heard was you know, positive reinforcement for Donald Trump and the things that he said. I mean, what, what CNN has, has gotten a lot of criticism. Uh, I know you're not necessarily a CNN watcher. You're an MSNBC guy. I I, I know it all. I've, I've watched all the changes. Look, CNN made a decision. They've, they, they brought a new head of leadership. They moved some people. They made a decision to platform more Republicans and more Trump supporting Republicans on their evening uh, broadcast, especially. They made that decision and they have fulfilled it. I watch enough CNN, I see it all the time. They have clearly made that made that call and they wanted to put a stake in the ground that that's something they were willing to do. I think it was a huge mistake. It was, it was in my view, a ratings reach. They were trying to get there. They were trying to say, we're going to be the center of political conversation in America. Because they're running primary town halls in, and they did one with Joe Biden as well. A couple of months ago, they did a, they did a a thing with Joe Biden. They're way too early on this. I mean, most Republican uh, candidates haven't even announced yet. They didn't need to be doing Joe Biden in April, right after he announced and Donald Trump in May. Now they could have said, Hey, we have a whole lot of people running for office, a lot of new people that America, the American populace needs to hear from. No one needs to hear, no one watching CNN 
needs to hear from Joe Biden and Donald Trump to figure out, like, why I need to hear from these cats and find out what they're all up to. Literally, we don't need to hear from those two guys. So whatever thing they thought and they these were political unknowns. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, hey, let's let's give the upstarts a chance to, you know, to say a thing or two. Like, had they done one with Nikki Haley? Had they done one with with Tim Scott? Would they do one with DeSantis? This kind of if they Marianne do one with Marianne Williamson. Williamson. If they did one with Robert uh, Kennedy the, Jr. Yeah. Okay. I could see. Yeah. What they're trying to do is they're trying to kind of level the playing field and let the American people know what's up. But Donald Trump and 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 Joe Biden, come on. And then they negotiated with Trump to get him. They they had to give up certain things, and they went to New Hampshire to do it. The whole thing was just look. This is what news has become. I get it. News has to be a ratings game and all the rest of it. Um, but their concern was not, how do we get um, the current watchers of CNN to feel good about it? Their approach was, how do we go and take people from Fox News watching and make them CNN watchers? That is what that was about. That's what a lot of their decisions have been about, and I think will remain. I think they thought and, and continue to think there's people who are dissatisfied with Fox News because Trump has been telling them to be dissatisfied with Fox News because Tucker Carlson was fired because all these things are coming out about how Fox News is not a real newsie. So just a lot of bad vibes around Fox News. So people are kind of leaving and going, looking somewhere else. And they're like, hey, let's get a bunch of those people to watch us and slowly start to bring them over to be CNN viewers. Now, if you're the president of CNN, is that a smart business news approach? Sure. If you care about democracy, should you ever treat Donald Trump like any other candidate? No, you should treat Donald Trump like a candidate who was president during an insurrection and is under indictment. So you should treat Donald Trump fairly. One of the things we used to have to figure out when we were parenting kids, Rob, maybe you're in the same situation, is we had four children that were all subsequent in age, you know, like one year after the other. So they're all bundled together. Yep. And, you know, the great cry from everyone being raised by adults. We, it's we not all did fair. It. It's not it's fair. It's not fair, right? Fair. Yeah. You I know mean, what my, just... my standard reply to that was when my kids would say that? What? So yeah. They what would say, what? It's not fair. And I would say... Fair is a place where pigs get judged. <laughs> <laughs> I would just, right. That would just be my... Yeah, that, that, yeah. and then fair they would be furious. Place where pigs get judged. I'm serious, Dad. Uh, yeah, this isn't funny, right? They'd give you, they'd give you that line. Um, I'd be a bit more philosophical about it at times. Yeah. And I would say, I think you think that fair means the same. Fairness doesn't mean sameness. I would give them, you know, early on equity conversations about the difference between equality and equity, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, where you have people of different height, that little image, you know, where you have yeah. people of different heights trying to look over a wall and you're like, well, they're all equal. <laughs> yeah, okay. They are all equal. They're all on equal footing, but the wall is, you know, over the head of three of the people and two of the people yeah. can see over the wall. So what equity would mean is they could all have a chance to see over the wall. So we have to say to our kids, look, we're not going to treat you exactly the same. You're different. You're motivated by different purposes. You've done different things. You have different histories. Like we need to come up with a situation to parent each of you in the way that you should be parented, not in the way that we're parenting the others. We're trying to figure this out because we got, we've got a lot going on here. What the news agencies need to do is say, we need to handle candidates 
in the appropriate way to handle that candidate. And yeah. to the degree that they're the same, look, for the most part, Donald Nikki Trump Haley, and Joe Biden are on. Yeah. Yeah. Donald Trump is not the same as the others. You know who else isn't the same? The current sitting president isn't the same. The current mm -hmm. sitting presidents always get accommodations and things that are different yeah. because they have the power of the bully pulpit and all the rest of this stuff. This was CNN's, in my view, greatest fault in all of this was trying to treat Donald Trump like any other candidate. And again, it, they weren't trying to serve democracy. Mm -hmm. They were trying to gain ratings. Is their job to serve democracy? I think it should be. I think we should give more of our eyeballs and, you know, advertising moments to the, the news that wants to serve democracy. And others that are trying to pay for their services by yeah. selling advertising, getting eyeballs. Or, you know, I was just trying to read a little article yesterday in the Washington Post about uh, why the robin eggs in my, the nest in my backyard disappeared. <laughs> Found this great little article on Washington Post, and had the firewall to be able to read this article was unbelievable. You got to log out, log back in, get into something, go over to my computer, because they're just going to squeeze a buck ninety nine a month out of you. Over so they don't really care about you know democracy when it comes to robin's eggs either. Over there, the Washington yeah. Post, they're all into it. Like subscribe and subscribe, and we'll tell you the news. Don't subscribe, and you don't get the news. Yeah. So I'm a little bothered well, by that by that approach I'm, as well. I'm not telling. I'm them, not I, sure that in, how news agencies are supposed to pay for themselves, but I'm not sure that an article about where the robins' eggs went is is news, quite frankly. But let me, if this is a business oh, it decision, was to me. if this is a purely a business decision by CNN. Um, and I think you're right be, with their new senior leadership. Um, sounds like it maybe didn't go all that well. Um, here's an article from five hours ago on Newsweek. It says, not behind a paywall, by the way. Yeah, In go. the wake of a controversial town hall attended by former President Donald Trump last week, CNN's primetime viewer figures have continued to drop, falling below those of right-wing channel Newsmax on Friday. The town hall itself on May 10th attracted more than 3 million viewers. It was 3.3 million viewers, which is less than the Joe Biden one in 2016. However, just two days later, CNN had an average total of 335,000 viewers between 8 and 11 against Newsmax's 357,000, according to Mediaite. This means CNN fell to fourth place in primetime ratings for news channels, also trailing Fox News and MSNBC, which average a total of 1.44 uh, million and 1.08 million, respectively, during the same time slot. So, I mean, like this was a business decision by CNN in an attempt to attract um attract more conservative, more right-wing, more Republican yep. viewers. The problem is these folks, since Rush Limbaugh uh, dubs CNN the Clinton News Network, like there, there is a, a bias against CNN that exists. There are other options, even for those that are dissatisfied with Fox News to go to Newsmax. This was a colossal blunder on... Uh, if it's a if it's purely a business decision, well, yeah, okay. Now uh, I mean, we, I, I'm stepping aside from the philosophical. You know, sure. is this good for democracy that you platform? You know, the leader of a, a the a party, a major party for president of the United States. From a purely business decision, 
this has really, it was really bad because a, you're not going to attract the, the, the MAGA folks are not going to come to CNN and, and stay because they already hate it. Like that's hardwired in. And two, you are going to run off your core supporters, which CNN absolutely did as a result of this. You've got Anderson Cooper going on the air after, Jake Tapper going on the air after, trying to do damage control, saying, ooh, this wasn't so good. But, uh, I, this was a colossal blunder by CNN. Well, I, I don't think CNN should be determining their business strategy off of one a town hall one hour of programming like hey did that did that solve it did they come did did, did we win the ratings two days later I, I think their approach is we're going to spend this election season mm. we're going to spend the next 17 months winning over these these viewers taking that's the long what term they're view. They're, they're taking the long view so you can see it already in what they do and their their, their panels and who they bring on they have all kinds of trump supporting people that are they're they're making equals. Look, I've watched CNN for many years during Trump years, and I would comment regularly, and I appreciated it. There was zero defense of Trump happening on CNN for four years, none. <laughs> it was, and when someone would come on, they'd come on as a guest and sort of get get pummeled, right? And Don Lemon was a key to that. The firing of Don Lemon is all part of this. It's it so. What they're trying to do is they're trying to win this over the long haul here. This was just one of the moves that they're making. They brought in a whole new setup. They brought in new analysts. They're having people. I had a guy on, you know, who was one of Trump's uh, chief advisors uh, last night, and now he's with DeSantis, actually. So they gave him a long period of time and, you know, pushed a little bit. It got journalistic about it, but they were, you know, legitimating the, the entire thing. So that's what I think is going on at CNN, whether or not CNN can become this town hall that they want to be or this town center that they want to be, where you have people who have very strong opinions on all sides and kind of, you know, old timey crossfire. Remember that if we you yeah. know, flashback to the yeah. 90s when that, that yeah. guy who later became a bigot on Tucker television, Carlson. Tucker yeah. Carlson was there. Mm -hmm. um, like the idea was you could watch your idea was you could watch it and hear two people with, you know, Opposing views. One of them was maybe your view, or maybe you're in between. You were choosing what side you went on, and you know they would sort of be your stand-ins for this for this conversation argument. I think that's what they want to get to. The problem with all of this is Donald Trump is not a normal character in yeah. on the political spectrum. Donald Trump represents a form of government which is a part, a participatory anti-democracy. Anti-democracy that people participate in. That's what Donald Trump represents. So you don't have a spectrum and you want to have people on different sides of that spectrum. Trump is playing another game altogether. There's a lot of people who want that other game. They want the participatory anti-democracy. Should a major news outlet be uh, that, that wants to see itself as a part of the American landscape as look, I mean, CNN does, right? It does a whole lot of things other than just cover political uh, news. Um, they really do want to see themselves. Should they be participating in yeah. Trumpism like this? And I don't know. So I think that's what they want. They want to yeah. build a larger audience and they're going to take a long, a long frame for it. Because look, all news 
uh, short of Newsmax, I guess, is collapsing all, all cable news. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. it's really in trouble. People are just, you know, worn yeah. out and frustrated by it and don't yeah. just could not care any less about all the stuff, which yeah, again, will we'll change when we get into a, the heat of the political season. And it'll, do you it'll watch the TV shows? Do you watch the TV show Succession? I do. Yeah. I'm, I'm fully you, caught seen... up as of last night. Yes. Yeah. I watched, uh, the, the latest episode last night for those who want to wrestle with the role that mm-hmm. and the influence that a news station and media can play in our elections and the impact they can have um you know and they're like I, I i don't remember the exact line but um atn on on succession made a a, a call in the presidential race that was a rather oh, controversial one. About this. And, uh, <laughs> and, out. and, and Warning. Roman Roy, oh, Roman, gosh, Roy, you're going to ruin the show for some of And Roman Roy yeah. says like, eh, it doesn't matter. And, and Shiv says like, yeah, it does. Like, like, like this yeah. stuff does matter. And, and there is that sense that the media does you know, I mean, we, we want to, it would be easy for us to downplay the, um, you know, the impact and say, oh, people are, are more sophisticated. They're smarter. It's not like, come on, there's not that many people. And, and that might be true, but there is an impact that, that mm-hmm. news media has on our country. And, uh, and so, I mean, the role that CNN plays is, it, it, you know, it, it's not as important as it was during the, um, um, you know, the, the, the first Gulf war, um, when, you yeah. know, Bernard Shaw became a, you know, a, a, a household name, but CNN and, and Fox news and MSNBC and Newsmax and all the others, um, kind of rolled into one are, you know, like they, like they, they do have an impact. Yeah. Uh, so let's, I mean, let's talk about Donald Trump himself. Um, what what's the impact of Donald Trump's performance of in him this? saying the things that he literally said? Right, um, I, I don't care who wins the war between Ukraine. I just want it to stop between yeah. and, and, and Russia. Don't don't care. I mean, doubling. Yeah, uh, like, yeah that's he a real... double down on everything. Everything he called January sixth a beautiful day. Yep. He called um, him Patriots, said he was going to mm-hmm. pardon him. I mean, the whole deal. Look, the guy is not hiding any of this. He has taken the approach, and Trump has always done this. You make your flaws your feature, and you make another person, your opponent's features their flaws. That's what he does. And so, of course, he's not going to back down. And Caitlin Collins, it's all her credit or not, believed that if she pushed him on these difficult things, it would get him to say, yeah, well, I guess I think differently about that. He didn't at all. Yeah. When she said they did recounts in all the states that you said forensic recounts to see if there was any fraud, there was none. That's not true. He just just denied it. And then at some point as a professional or just as an adult, you can't sit there with a person and just say, yes, it is true. And they say, no, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Yes. It, like, wh- <laughs> how, how, how do you how do you get there? So this is why having Donald Trump in that setting is not like having any other candidate yeah. because he just simply will yeah. say things that do not comport to reality at all. Yeah. So, so what do you do? Well, do you have to cover the guy? 
I'm not entirely sure you do. Yeah. I mean, I, so what, yeah, but moving I, beyond, yeah, moving beyond the CNN question is what's the impact that it has on, on voters? You know, I, I look at this and I say like, this is an absolutely disgusting performance by Donald Trump. It confirms all of my fears and concerns. It's just the latest example of like, wow, I can't believe how terrible this guy is. And I can't believe he was president of the United States for four years. And I can't believe that it is as strong. I was saying to Vanessa just last night or the night before, like Donald Trump remains as big a threat to the United States and democracy, the planet and all who live on it, as Doug Padgett would say. Great line. Uh, as ever, as ever. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, it's it's never been worse than it is now. Like, I, like it is as bad as it's ever been. And like, he remains as big a threat as ever. And um, so I watch that and I, all I, I think that this performance on CNN has very little persuasion effect. I think my sense is that all it does is it, it's confirmation for the people that love him. They laugh, they clap. They're happy that somebody's sticking it to the liberal media and saying the thing, cracking the jokes that they've always wanted to hear. They're they're attracted to the crassness. They're attracted to the bombacity. They're attracted to the 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 straight talk. All like all of that stuff. Um, and and the people that are turned off by Donald Trump or turned off by Donald Trump. And so I, you know, that all of those same things, the, the lies, mm -hmm. the attitude, the approach, just so repulsive to people. I think this does very little to move the needle one way or the other in terms of um, actual voter support. I think the positive thing for Donald, I, I think this is a net positive for Donald Trump. Oh, for sure. Because when, he when, comes when. out with momentum. He comes out with the opportunity to spin a story that says, hey, I went into the lion's den and I and I, you know, marched around in circles and they didn't, you know, the flames didn't touch me or, you know, as I'm mixing yeah. metaphors here. You know, I like there's I, I think what they what they were able to do, what he was able to do was to to create a positive news story for himself and momentum with his followers that so I think. While I don't think this wins him any new voters, I think it gives his campaign momentum. And, you know, as I've, uh, for longtime listeners of the podcast know that, like, I think that voter enthusiasm is one of the most important, if not the most important indicator of who's going to win an election. And I think that positive momentum gives Trump supporters enthusiasm and, you know, which frankly, coming off of a, you know, a, a, a really, a really big loss in court, the Trump campaign really needed. And uh, I agree. Yeah. yeah look, I, I, th I think what this is primarily about, it wasn't to win over new voters. <clears throat> I'm not even sure it was to encourage people. I think you're right that it did that. I think what they wanted to use it for was to clarify messaging. So they had a chance to remind their supporters, here's how we talk about these things. Like maybe people were getting shaky on 
January 6th mm -hmm. and like, yeah, that was mm -hmm. really bad. No, he's going to come out and say, hey, here's here's how I talk about it. it means how, here's how you talk about it. So what he was doing was clarifying the stance that he's going to have on a variety of topics, which then became the talking points for Newsmax, for people talking to their neighbors, for people on social media. It reminded and reinforced for them, here's where we are on this now. So the prime, because that's what you would do in a campaign to this point anyway, right, is to create the, the frame by which you're going to be approaching mm -hmm. the world. So that's what it really did. And mm -hmm. so a lot of us were like, unbelievable. That's the, this is the tack he's going to take on that topic. He's going to uh, go after th yeah. th this outcome. He, and, and then on abortion, he's just like, look, I, you know, I'm not going to sign anything that's going to be some national abortion ban. Okay, that's caused a whole, <laughs> like, if he doesn't win the Republican nomination, it's going to be over that issue. The, mm. the, the, the sheer irony that the only reason he became president was because his campaign and the Hillary Clinton campaign agreed to each sharpen their focus on their stance on abortion. And that motivated more people to support Donald Trump than it motivated to support Hillary Clinton by some tens of thousands across five different states where it mattered. Right. If Trump hadn't been so Trumpy about it, if Hillary Clinton hadn't been so classic Hillary Clinton about it, something different would have happened in that election. I have I have no doubt about it. It was a real move for people. That could be the very thing that keeps Trump from being the next nominee is that hmm. someone like DeSantis, someone like Scott, someone like, like, uh, uh Asa. Haley, DeSantis. Asa, come on, give Arkansas due. Asa could come out and say, oh no, we're definitely going to be supported. I mean, this is what Tim Scott, in the one interview I heard with, from Tim Scott was about abortion. He's like, I will sign the most conservative national ban that is brought to me. I will do it. They yeah. know that this is what will motivate part of that audience. So that was a that was a big thing yeah. when Trump yeah. was like, "Hey, I'm I ain't getting anywhere close to this," yeah. because he knows That's it's a loss. All right, let's yeah. talk about DeSantis now for a minute because DeSantis has now pivoted, taking the argument that we've been making and that a bunch of people on the progressive side have been making, which is Trump is a five time political loser. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I heard I heard uh, uh, Jen Psaki, who used to be the uh, press secretary for for Biden uh, and worked in the Obama White House and now as a show on MSNBC said, you know, look, the <laughs> the, uh, the the White House is used to Democrats wetting their bed over every possible calamity that, that befalls them. She's like, you know, the the catastrophizing that goes on within the the democratic superstructure is just unbelievable about polls and everything else. And there was, uh, uh, now I've lost my thought on this. What were we just talking about? We're talking about DeSantis. Oh yeah. So, so DeSantis comes out and says, look, we've got to in Iowa yesterday or two days ago, we've got to stop losing. He starts using the, basically Trump lost in 2018, Trump lost in 2019, 20 lost. He lost in 2020. He lost in 2022. <laughs> like just loss after loss, after loss, after loss, lost the Senate, lost the house, lost the presidency. Why do people think this guy is a threat? Why do they think he's the guy that's DeSantis approach yeah. to the uh, approach to Trump is it's time for us to win again. That is, uh, that's a split inside the Republican party that I don't know that it's going to, you know, at some point if Trump becomes the nominee, which he likely will, 
DeSantis will switch back around and say he's the greatest winner of oh, all sure. time. You know, he's, sure, he's, sure, he's sure. So, yeah. so there's I mean, no doubt yeah, about he, that. But that's yeah. an interesting tack that DeSantis is taking is the, the one that's been pitched over and over on, you know, social media and MSNBC and with consultants and others. Yeah, I, I, I mean, purely like stepping out of any moral or policy judgment of any of this, purely from a political standpoint, I love it because Trump, you know, you I, I you can see the ad of Trump saying, "Oh, we're going to win. You're going to get tired of winning. We're going to win, win, win." And then, you know, the graphic of lost the house, lost the senate, lost yeah. the presidency, lost the midterms. And, and like aren't and aren't you ready to win again ron yeah. i i approve this message you can see yeah. the ad in yeah. your head and yeah it appeals it, it hits at um you know the you can't hit trump on policy you know oh, he, he's teflon with that you know like yeah. like people don't care yeah people you who support him don't care you, yeah. you, you can't hit him on morality because People supported Donald Trump because they wanted to win. It was a yeah. win at all costs kind of thing. And that's right. And if I mean, I think that's an I, I think it's a really smart move by DeSantis. Yeah, and um, all of them. If they all gang up and say, look, any one of us can win, the one person we know can't win is Donald Trump because he's proven it. Because yeah. he lost to Joe Biden while he was the president. Like the greatest advantage you have to winning in office, unless you're George Santos mm -hmm. or Donald Trump is being the incumbent. Incumbency mm -hmm. is a bump that's unbelievable. And he couldn't win then. What may, and you know, he even came out and said it, I, I'm sorry, back on Trump, but in the, in the town hall, he even said, I got more votes than I did in 2016. As if he was running against himself in 2016, right? right? As if like yeah. he's he's running his little you know little five cane. He's like I, I did my personal best. You know that's that that's what this election was about was me getting my my personal best. I, I got more votes than I did the previous time, but both times you didn't get as many votes as the person you were running against, right? I mean it's just wacky. So this is this is an interesting approach, but I think to, I know everybody's really high in DeSantis right now. At least in the plot, they're like he's surging. He's going to announce probably next week, and all he's got all this energy. That guy doesn't have a chance, Rob. I'm telling you, the people who yep. know him and are around yep. him, and he's, even his own staff. Yep. Now that they leaked this whole thing, that they're like, we have to tell him regularly. You have to talk to people. Like he has zero, he literally as a full adult who's already been a congressman and a governor still has to be told how to interact with human beings when he's in a campaign environment. Yeah. <laughs> you look, it, there's a lot of things that cause you to win the presidency. One of those yeah. is you have to be good at people. Yeah. You yes. really do have to be good. Yeah. And those who aren't, they occasionally one wins. George H.W. Bush is one of those. But then when the time came and he ran into a juggernaut, he couldn't pull it back. Ross yep. Perot and Bill Clinton were just more enjoyable than he yes. was. DeSantis yes. and his policies. I, I just think, look, DeSantis is going to be the Rudy Giuliani of, you know, of this, of this, uh, you know, 2008. Uh, he's not going to be, um, he's, he's not going to be the nominee, which means that there's hardly anybody else. Maybe, maybe Scott um, uh, from South Carolina, but, but I don't know. 
All right. Uh, what else? Hey, this Durham report came out, uh, yeah. which was the report about the Mueller report, which uh, I have a very good friend who's a super hardwired Trumper. And he's like, here it is. The finally the big thing has come out. You know, he's a laptop, laptop supporting cat, um, Hunter Biden's laptop and the Biden crime family and all the nonsense that Ginny Thomas talks about all the time. And, and he's like, this Durham report is just devastating to the accusations against Trump shows it was all all right like it's the opposite like the Durham report was just virtually nothing um yeah uh, it was a prosecutor saying he thinks that these things should have been prosecuted differently and it's just gone and wasted and and over with you think there's anything about that at all or is literally the Durham report a half day story that now is just in the books and done with and put away yeah i you know i think I, I, what it does is it, it serves as a reminder to Democrats and anti-Trump folks that the, like, you've got to focus on the stories that resonate with mm-hmm. undecided or movable voters and not on the ones that you think, you know, you know, not the ones that like are salacious to you. Yep. And that's why I think Republicans are making a mistake with the Hunter Biden thing. It's not a story that's going to like move anybody, cares. you know, like nobody cares uh, except the people that do. And I think, I think the Russia collusion thing is, is part of that. So um, I think it's a political mistake to talk about, you know, collusion with Russia. Did it happen? I think it did. I feel like I, I distinctly remember Donald Trump, like in a press conference talking about like, you know, asking Russia for dirt. Yeah. Um, I remember that too. Yeah. You know, and you know, like, so, you know, it's there. And saying um, he would do it again when he was president. Like, of course I would ask another country yeah, for yep, <laughs> my yep. political opponent. Why wouldn't I? <clears throat> yeah. yeah. Um, I'm sure he did. And I think that, uh, I, so I, I think that I think it's a reminder that, um, you know, it. I don't know, like, I, I don't know how much credit I, I don't know anything about Durham. All I know is he's got like, a, like a Wilford Brimley esque look, and uh, you know, hopefully he doesn't have diabetes, um, and, uh, and a little. Are you with me there? Do you know Wilford Brimley is I do. Dean yeah. Diabetes. Yeah. I mean, like he look to me, he reminds me of mm-hmm. Wilford Brimley, and uh, but I don't know anything about him other than he was appointed by Bill Barr, who I think is oh, yeah. about as reliable as you know public Wi-Fi at an airport. Um, <laughs> you know, I just like I, you know, Wi-Fi so I don't know how much credibility to give this yeah. guy. I don't know how much I, I don't I don't know what to think of it. But again, thinking in terms of impact. Yeah, big political a, news and zero news on anybody's who cares, right? Yeah, except it continues to be like the CNN town hall. You know, Donald Trump has had some bad days. You know, he's had some, you know, he had the he had the Eugene Carroll thing. He had the the big event, the big event in uh, in Iowa canceled because they said because of weather yeah. and then, you know, weather didn't materialize. Uh, the real reason was probably lack of turnout, which is kind of interesting for a Trump rally. Um, 
you know, so he's like, he's had some bad news the Rudy Giuliani story that's breaking right now. Yeah. Um, didn't even there, talk about I mean, that, there's, you? yeah, I mean, there's in, in the aftermath of the, um, uh, of the Eugene Carroll, um, verdict, there's been reports of, of, you know, confirmation of sexual assault happening in the white house while Donald Trump was president. Um, you know, so like there's been a number of really bad stories. Trump is the kind of guy who he he hones in on one little positive thing mm -hmm. or in some cases, one little negative thing. And, you know, if you ever watched The Apprentice way back in the day before, Don, you know, you knew that Donald Trump was a horrible human being. Well, maybe you always knew he's a horrible human being, but he seemed kind of like harmless and it was, you know, he would, he would have people do these, you know, different tasks, he would have them, the producers would have them do these different tasks and then he would judge them. And so often in that judgment, there would be one little minor thing that he would hone on to either hmm. positively or negatively that would make the difference. And I think that what Donald Trump is able to do is that the, the CNN performance gives him the oxygen gives him the gas, the momentum to keep going, you know, positively. Uh, and I think this, this Durham reports the same thing. It's, it, I think it actually amounts to, yeah, I think it's a nothing right. burger in terms of impact other than it, it gives Donald Trump something positive to keep his camp, to keep, give his campaign and his strong supporters momentum. Right. Yeah. It's, it's more talking, uh, support, talking point support for people who are wanting to talk about those things, but I don't think most people are. Well, it was big news yesterday. Okay, so apparently big news today. There's a lawsuit against Rudy Giuliani by a lawyer that he hired. Apparently, Rudy Giuliani hired a lawyer to represent him in a domestic abuse case. So Rudy Giuliani hires a person to defend him. And then for $1 million dollars. One million dollars, and then paid this person twelve thousand dollars <laughs> and some expenses. So stiffed a lawyer, and now that lawyer is suing Rudy, Rudy Giuliani. Yeah. And included in that lawsuit, apparently, can is I, can I can I read some can I read some stuff to you? Yeah, let me just finish this. Is a allegation that Rudy Giuliani tried to sell pardons from Trump. So oh, now that's is not going the to be part in court now in court is going to be a court case in which is put into the legal record this is what rudy giuliani did because the corruption yes. among the people around trump is just endless yeah. the number yes. of people who and have gone to jail and will go to jail is just outrageous there literally are criminals in prison who don't know as many people who have been sent to prison as donald trump knows because they keep to themselves in prison they know less prisoners yeah. than donald trump does yeah. Of people who so, really and, and one of the things that this lawsuit alleges is that um, Rudy Giuliani uh, was looking for people who would be interested in pardons. The price tag was going to be $2 million. They were not supposed to go through the normal means of applying through the, you know, pardon administration office or whatever it is. And the $2 million was going to be split between Rudy Giuliani and Donald Trump. <laughs> have you, have you read that? Like no, they were going to split the money. That. Yeah. That's our allegation so, that Trump was going to take a cut. 
Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. just just Blagojevic. What was the guy's name from? Uh... Yeah, Rod Blagojevic. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. yeah. Wasn't he the uh, governor? So here's... I think I think a, a Democratic governor of yes. Illinois who tried to sell yes. the seat that was Barack Obama's tried to sell the Senate seat. Yeah. Went to jail, and, and you uh... know what happened? Trump pardoned him. You yeah. know that. Trump yeah. pardoned him. So the guy that Trump pardoned is a guy that tried to sell a political advantage while he's trying to sell yep. very pardons. I mean, just incredible. Here's some other details. The complaint filed with shocking details and allegations include that Giuliani, Giuliani allegedly drank morning, noon, and night and was frequently intoxicated. Therefore, his behavior was always unpredictable. Took Viagra constantly would expose himself and tell her that he could not do any work until you, quote, take care of this, made clear that satisfying his sexual demands, which came virtually anytime, anywhere, was an absolute requirement of her employment. The suit My says goodness. Giuliani often demanded that Dunphy work naked or in short shorts with an American flag on them. <laughs> he bought her. I'm sorry. No, I mean, this... Uh, the suit also claims Giuliani, quote, demanded oral sex while he took phone calls, including with then-President Donald Trump, and told her he enjoyed it because it made him feel like Bill Clinton. She alleges that on several occasions she objected, clearly that he did not respect those objections. There was also, um, okay, um, I, oh it also seems something about how, like, on when COVID happened and they moved to Zoom calls, he demanded that she uh, disrobe during Zoom calls. Um, there was also the matter of reportedly inappropriate comments when he had been drinking, quote, making all kinds of extremely vulgar sexual remarks, racist remarks, comments about the genitalia of Jewish men, for example, comments about different ethnic groups, comments about the bodies of prominent women like Hillary Clinton and Elizabeth Warren, imagining them in sexual scenarios. Uh, I mean, it's just not good. Well, <laughs> not and, and you know, the, the, look, the disgusting nature of this is clear. Uh, this kind of thing, yeah. as we talked about earlier, continues to go on and it's just horrible. And what it will do, the, the things people will want to talk about is, is that salaciousness, which is horrible and needs to be prosecuted. And selling pardons is an other thing that is going yeah. on here, right? When these kinds of lawsuits come, and this often happens because rarely is someone involved in just a singular criminal action when they're yes. someone like, like Giuliani, they're always, they always sort of, you know, put a package deal together for their crime doing. You can sort of lose track of the thing that, that really matters. It's just, I mean, the fall from grace for this guy, if there ever was oh. a moment of grace, but the public public oh. assumption that he was a person of, of high value to the American experience is just I mean, really, yeah. truly from Yeah, from America's mayor to uh, Four Seasons Lawn and Garden to, uh, you know, th this. It's just, uh, wow. Like what a, what well, a fall. And, and this person uh, who's filed this lawsuit, she's been sitting on this for a very long time. So you just keep thinking about what else do people know? What else yeah. has gone on? What else is documented and is being queued up 
around all of these folks. It's just really quite, quite stunning. Mm -hmm. Quite yeah. stunning. Yeah, it is. Well, hey, on, on an upside, and we do have to go, but um, Title 42 was finally extinguished. This was the yeah. healthcare uh, statute to protect the health of American citizens that allowed border agents at the United States, Mexico border and elsewhere to, without cause, reject anyone seeking access to the United States who wasn't a citizen. Nor normal laws of the United States, international laws say that if a person comes or presents themselves seeking asylum, the government that they've presented themselves to has a legal obligation to deal with the person. That's, that's the rule. It's the law. It's the function. It's how it goes. Title 42 said, right now, because of COVID, we don't have to. We can simply say, we have an emergency. We can't deal with you right now. So for two years, two and a half years, been pushing these people out. They've been piling up on the southern side of the U.S.-Mexico border. That finally ended last Friday. And you know what happened, Rob? Illegal entrance into the United States precipitously declined. Mm -hmm. Showing what many of us have been arguing all along, the yeah. reason people are coming across the border at non-immigration uh, places is because they can't get in at the immigration places. That's what's caused the problem. Title 42 was the problem. It wasn't the solution. So finally, that's lifted. And what did all these refugee-seeking families and individuals do by the tens of thousands? Waited in line and came right through the ports of entry. Yep. which they would have been doing all along had there been a way to actually access the country. So the very thing that Trump wanted was chaos at the border. He got by installing Title 42, which is yep. what they did on intentionally, and they knew it would create the crisis, and they did it for political cause. And then the Biden administration tried to revoke it, and then the courts made him keep it in place, and then it took a long time. And finally, uh, after a number of bad court rulings, they were able to uh, extinguish this Title 42, and now some semblance of order has been regained for those who are seeking asylum to the United States. Yep. In other words, now the United States is following its own laws and international laws again. So what we need to do is change the quota, limitations, increase the number of visas that are given out across the board, but especially to people from certain countries, and solve the immigration problem at the U.S.-Mexico border. It's so solvable. Yes. It's remarkable. Now, so solvable means you got to let 6 million people a year in, right? So just so people know, that's that's what solving yeah. it's going to look like. You're going to have 6 million for a couple of years, four or five years, you know, and up to that number, and it will decline rather quickly. Did you, you know, the United States could take everybody from Central America in the United States and and still only see like a, a 7%, 9% increase in U.S. population. Wow. All of them. And they don't all want to come up from Central America, <laughs> for sure. Not everybody what? in Central America wants to move to the U.S. But you could take them all because we have nearly 400 million people currently in the United States. And if you want to let in 7 or 9 million people, it's Tina, <laughs> if you want to let in 12 million people, I mean, you're not going to get to 10% until you've let in 40 million people. 
That's going to be 10%. And you know what a 10% increase is? Not enough to keep up with the death rate in the United States, by the way. Not even enough to keep up with, with demand. So finally, that's solved. Now uh, Republicans will find another way to continue to blame immigrants for uh, the, the problems that our laws have caused. It's really, really quite remarkable. But it's a yeah. good day that that's been solved. But it's still a very difficult situation for the many refugees that are trying to find some relief from the United States. So, all right. Anything more? No. It's a... Yeah, lots of topics okay. today. Boy, thanks for all the good comments uh, in the chat. Yep. Uh, all of you, Leaf, good to see you back. So you were late, but you said you were late, but you're always right on time around here. Alex, good to see you too, uh, and all the others we said hello to. Uh, good to see all of you in the chat. Thanks for thanks for keeping up. And uh, yep. you can get the audio version of this to share with your family and friends. And if you're going to share anything, share the YouTube videos. Would you? All right, uh, Rob, we'll see you later. Bye bye. Okay, bye now.